Amateur Radio Newsline report number 2347 with the release date of Friday, October 21st, 2022 to follow in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. The following is a QST. An emerging science and technology center gets a major financial boost. A new book takes a deeper look at QSL cards. And some surprises for Halloween as the holiday approaches. All this and more as Amateur Radio Newsline Report number 2347 comes your way right now. From around the world, this is Newsline, Amateur Radio's first independent on-the-air news and bulletin service. Now reporting from Charleston, West Virginia, here's Jim Dameron, NATMW. We begin this week's report with news that the former laboratory of inventor Nikola Tesla has received major funding to further its development into a major science and technology center. Kevin Trotman, N5PRE, has that story. Designed by noted architect Stanford White at the turn of the previous century and a welcoming place today for scientists, historians, and amateur radio operators, the former laboratory of 20th century innovator Nikola Tesla has been chosen to receive a $500,000 grant from the National Park Services and National Endowment of the Arts. The funds will be used to help pay for restoration of the Long Island, New York property and transform it into a museum and educational science center, honoring the spirit of Tesla's groundbreaking work. Known as Wardenclyffe Lab, it became a home to many of Tesla's discoveries in radio and other aspects of technology. He had created the Long Island Lab as a kind of radio city with a goal of transmitting electricity and information wirelessly. The site was especially well known for a transmitter tower that was 187 feet above ground and reached 120 feet below ground level. That tower is long since gone. This is Tesla's only surviving laboratory and it is a landmark, having been added to the U.S. National Historic Register in 2018. Amateur Radio has an active interest in the property as well, and the site recently hosted the 75th anniversary celebration and special event station of the Suffolk County Radio Club. I'm Kevin Trotman, N5PRE. If you enjoy sending and receiving QSL cards, you're not alone. This next story from Jack Parker, W8ISH, celebrates the art of those still popular cards. The legacy of Charles Hillman, W2RP, continues. At the time Charlie became a silent key in 2017, the 106-year-old New York amateur was considered the oldest amateur in the U.S. and likely the longest licensed. Active almost right up to the year he died, Charlie amassed a collection of QSL cards that, so many years later, is now carrying a different message to the world. What about graphic design and communication between people? 150 cards in Charlie's collection, which were later purchased by a designer visiting a local antique shop, are now the subject of a soon-to-be-published book on topography and graphics. Its title? QSL. Do you confirm receipt of my transmission? The collection's owner, Roger Bova, made the cards available to Standards Manual, an independent publisher in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in books about design history. The book features the simple, bold design of the card from RB0HZ, confirming a 1986 contact on 20 meters sideband. In contrast, there is a whimsical cartoonish card from DM3EJ for a 1979 single sideband contact on 10 meters. Many of the pages are full and rich and colorful. 
The publisher's co-founder, Jesse Reed, told PrintMag.com in a recent interview that the cards are as much a study in design as in communication in the age before the Internet took hold. They are presented in the book in chronological order. No doubt Charlie, a retired New York City educator, might be pleased to know he is still providing a means for people everywhere to expand their knowledge. For Amateur Radio Newsline, I'm Jack Parker, W8ISH. Of course, some amateurs' collections extend beyond QSL cards. Jeremy Boot, G4NJH, tells us about one ham in England who just added to a different kind of collection. Some amateurs are proud of their collection of QSL cards. Carl Kruger, 2E0FEH, takes special pride in his collection of trophies. The latest conferred upon him is the inscription of his name on the Founders Bowl from Worked All Britain for 2021. The award not only recognises him as a high-scoring chaser for a half-decade, but acknowledges the articles he's written for the Worked All Britain magazine and his support and advice given to operators. Chasers face the seemingly daunting task of hunting all kinds of locator squares throughout Britain, starting with the 100-kilometre big squares and then 10-kilometre smaller squares within them. Carl's efforts include helping chasers locate and work portable stations that operate from squares where there are no resident hams. There are, of course, other types of ways to earn points with coastal squares, islands, lighthouses and waterway lights. Carl has been involved in these big and small chasers for quite some time. He told Newsline, quote, The best bit after a period of time is when you start collecting trophies. I've quite a collection now in my cabinet. It's taken a few years to do and a lot of airtime, but trust me, it's worth it, end quote. Carl said the award scheme is open to shortwave listeners and even overseas operators who might actually find the collection easier from a QTH outside Britain. He told Newsline, be warned, it's addictive. I'm Jeremy Bucci for NJH. Even if you're not in the United States, you may have heard of the tragedy of the freighter that sank during a storm in 1975 in one of the Great Lakes. The vessel's story is being told again with the help of a special event station, as we hear from Cell MB, KZ3TZD. In the state of Michigan, the story of the tragedy cannot be told enough. On November 10, 1975, an American freighter, the SS Edmund Fitzgerald, was sent to the bottom of Lake Superior. The crew of 29 lost their lives that day. That story will be shared once again between October 30th and November 13th by members of the Livonia Amateur Radio Club, K8UNS, as they operate a special event station, W8F. On Saturday, November 5th, the operation will also be at the Dawson Great Lakes Museum from 1600 to 2030 UTC. This is also a POTA activation and an entity in the U.S. Islands Awards Scheme. The museum and the Detroit Historical Society are hosting the event, hoping that amateurs from around the world will make contact and that visitors to the museum will observe the portable ham station on its day of operation there. Hams who log W8F as a contact will be issued a confirmation certificate. See the QRZ.com page for special event station W8F for more details. This is Cell MB, KB3, TZD. 
As Halloween approaches, people have been growing increasingly creative in the ways they decorate their homes for the holiday. Meet one ham in Denver, Colorado, who carries the theme way above all the others. Way, way above. Because it's on his roof. Neil Rapp, WB9VPG, gives us those details. If you look at the photos on his page on QRZ.com, you'll notice right away that Kiefer Hunniford, K3IFR, doesn't exactly have a shack that you'd call a bare-bones operation. Well, Halloween has changed all that. His wife, Ari, is a big fan of the holiday and recently brought home nine skeletons from the local Home Depot. Some of them are now scattered around the couple's yard, and a few are hanging off the roof of their house in various poses. The luckiest skeleton of the bunch got the highest visibility of all. Kiefer has mounted him on his antenna, and the installation required, yes, you guessed it, only a skeleton crew. Kiefer zip-tied that festive bunch of bones into place to keep him secure through the end of the month. We're not sure whether its presence has an impact on Kiefer's SWR, that's skeleton wave ratio, but we do know it has scared up a lot of interest locally and on Facebook, too, where he posted a picture. It has turned their house into quite a haunt, and if any neighbors should try to compete with it, let's just say they don't stand a ghost of a chance. This is Neil Rapp, WB9VPG. Time for you to identify your station. We are the Amateur Radio Newsline, heard on bulletin stations around the world, including the WB0QXW repeaters in St. Louis, Missouri, on Monday nights following the World Friendship Net, which begins at 7 p.m. local time on Echolink. Here at Newsline, we always celebrate the licensing of new hams, especially among the younger generation. Graham Kemp, VK4BB, is here with some more reasons for all of us to celebrate. The Hammies Amateur Radio Club, Zulu Sierra 6 Zulu Uniform, is celebrating yet another graduation. The latest group of youngsters who've been studying to sit for their Class B, the entry-level license, have passed their recent examinations. The club, a member of the South African Radio League, has prospective license holders work with volunteer tutors learning theory and completing hands-on projects. The youngsters are usually between the ages of 9 and 15. So it's congratulations to everybody for a job well done. I'm Graham VK4BB. Is it possible to digitize amateur radio history? Well, the Internet Archive is planning to do just that, and it needs your help. Andy Morrison, K9AWM, explains. If you want to be a part of history, here's your chance. The Internet Archive is asking ham radio operators to look in their collections of printed and digital materials, as well as any personal materials, for inclusion in a digital library providing a window into the history of the amateur radio community. The library is especially interested in collecting material that documents contributions by any groups who historically may have been marginalized in the ham community, such as women and people of color. 
A recent grant from Amateur Radio Digital Communications is underwriting the development of the library, which will give open access to educators, students, researchers, and members of the public. The library is called the Digital Library of Amateur Radio and Communications. Print materials such as newsletters, pamphlets, and journals will be digitized for easier access. To enrich the collection further, developers of the library are hoping to conduct oral histories of influential individuals active in amateur radio. If you think you have materials that could be useful for the library, email K Savitz, K6KJN, the program manager of special collections. Writing on the Internet Archive blog, Kay noted that he was especially interested in obscure materials, including locally produced ham radio newsletters and small magazines. Kay can be reached at K, that's K-A-Y, at archive.org. I'm Andy Morrison, K9AWM. The newest team on the campus of Marshall University in Huntington, West Virginia, isn't involved in varsity sports, but amateur radio. Sharing the same name as the school's athletes, the Thundering Herd Amateur Radio Club is getting a foothold with a core group of six members, including founder Jacob Riston, KE8PWC. Jacob is a pre-med student majoring in biology and a ham for two years. He told Newsline that one of the most immediate things on the club's agenda is to help unlicensed members study for the FCC exam and to grow the size of the club. There's lots of studying to be done and, of course, some paperwork, too, so the club can apply for a call sign and establish a shack on campus. Meanwhile, Jacob has been exploring the HF bands and perfecting the art of antenna building. He told Newsline that hands-on projects are perhaps his favorite part of the hobby. It looks like one of those projects, the Thundering Herd Amateur Radio Club, is coming to fruition. In the world of DX, be listening for Dan, K6ZO, operating from Malawi as 7Q6M until the end of November. He is on 160 through 6 meters and will be participating in the CQ Worldwide SSB and CW contests. QSL to his home call sign. The Qatar Amateur Radio Society is activating a number of special event stations until the 18th of December, marking the FIFA World Cup in Qatar, where 32 teams will compete across 64 matches. Amateur radio stations will be using all modes on all HF bands and the QO100 satellite. Operators at the Qatar Ham Group headquarters and at Doha Corniche will be using the call sign A722FWC. Eight other stations will also be operating as World Cup stadium stations. They begin with the call sign A71FIFA and continue in numerical order through A78FIFA. QSL via the QARS Bureau or direct by instructions on QRZ.com. Logs will be uploaded to Logbook of the World once the event is over. Listen for JOP, 
PA7DA operating from Aruba with the call sign P40DA from November 13th through the 27th. QSL via the Dutch QSL Bureau to his home call sign. For direct QSL information, see his QRZ.com page. Listen for Oleg, ZS1ANF, who hopes to be on the air as ZS7ANF at Wolf's Fang Runway in Antarctica starting November 1st. QSL details are on QRZ.com. Finally, many of us know the unexpected problems and the perks of operating portable. What if you are a ham who also works in commercial radio and dreams up a different kind of portable operation for Halloween? One from a spooky old house. Ralph Squilacci, KK6ITB, ends our newscast with a story about this thriller. Ken Allen, WU6I, is haunted by radio wherever he goes. If he's not on the air as an amateur extra-class operator, he's recording voiceovers and involved in other commercial projects. During this Halloween season, however, the spirits moved him to cross over into the great beyond, that ethereal space somewhere between the F-layer of the ionosphere and the rest of eternity, the ancient realm known as radio drama. His 40-minute radio play, Sparks and Baxter Spend the Night in Murder Mansion, takes Portable to a whole new level of activation. The plot? A popular radio morning team sets up a remote broadcast on Halloween Eve and experiences the kind of radio interference the FCC can't help them with. There's even a seance, the equivalent of calling QRZ on the spirit's frequency. With mostly original sound effects and ghoulish music, the drama presents a chance for Ken and another amateur radio friend to be hams of a different sort. You can conjure it all up on the Ken Allen Voices YouTube channel, but not until Halloween Eve at midnight Pacific time. It promises to be a scream. This is Ralph Boris Squilacci, KK6ITB, or Call Me Baxter. With thanks to the ARRL, CQ Magazine, David Bihar, K7DB, DXWorld.net, Facebook, Gizmodo, Hackaday, Internet Archive Blog, Jacob Riston, KE8PWC, Carl Kruger, 2E0FEH, Ohio Pen DX, QRZ.com, Southgate Amateur Radio News, ShortwaveRadio.de, Standards Manual, PrintMag.com, Worked All Britain, and you, our listeners, that's all from the Amateur Radio Newsline. We remind our listeners that Amateur Radio Newsline is an all-volunteer, non-profit organization that incurs expenses for its continued operation. If you wish to support us, please visit our website at arnewsline.org and know that we appreciate you all. We also remind our listeners that if you like our newscast, please leave us a five-star rating wherever you subscribe to us. For now, with Karen Eve Murray, KD2GUT, at the news desk in New York, and our news team worldwide, I'm Jim Dameron, N8TMW, in Charleston, West Virginia, saying 73. And as always, we thank you for listening. Amateur Radio Newsline is copyright 2022, all rights reserved.